ready. Welcome to episode 25 of the Go Get Em Agility podcast. My name is Margaret Hughes, and I'm your host, along with my daughter, Emma Hughes. Hello, in person once again. Yes, this is our last podcast in person for a little bit anyway. <laughs> you're heading back to England. I have a question for you. No, I don't have a question for you. I want to tell you something. <laughs> okay. So I was thinking about how you got to England and how you chose a college that was in, in England. And not that you didn't look at other colleges here in the States, you did, um, but you chose to go to England and... I was thinking to myself, what, what, how did you, me and your dad help you make that decision to go to England? And there are four things, there are four things that my dad, my dad, your granddad instilled in me when I was a kid. And this comes right out of teaching me how to snow ski. My dad taught us the entire time. He never sent us to a ski instructor. There are four things that my dad told me you needed in order to learn how to ski. And they are as follows. You need patience. I think he was talking a little bit more about him. <laughs> Instead he, of you. Than he was about me. You need patience though when you're learning something. Yes. Especially in agility. It's true. And at the time I thought he was referring to me. So it really didn't matter right. if he meant that for him or not. Um, but it, uh, so patience was uh, the first thing. Then you needed confidence. And that I really, I was like, oh, okay. How do I get confidence, right? That was, that was a little tough for me to swallow the confidence. Then he said you needed no fear. And my adult brain says, well, some fear is good. So you don't ski off a cliff. Right. But back when I was, I don't know, somewhere between four and eight, no fear it's like right dad i can do this i can yeah. show you that i can go down this hill and then the last thing again referring back to my dad i think was a little money so you need patience confidence no fear and a little money to learn how to ski and throughout my life me and my dad bantered back and forth about patience confidence no fear and a little money and and he put it on my ski lessons but I took that and I really apply it to my life. Mm, yeah. Everything in my life pretty much needs <laughs> patience, confidence, no fear, and a little money. Um, and so I was thinking about how we sent you to England and how you were able to, you know, head across the pond and, and be okay with being at the university. Right. Now, I know that there was some fear involved. Oh, right? absolutely. For sure. Yeah. And there was, um, you know, patience and, and letting that fear subside. <laughs> yeah, but I, that's what, yeah, exactly. It all circles back. I was literally just about to say that. I needed enough patience and enough confidence to know that the fear would go away. Yeah. Right? I'm going away in two days. I'm like, yeah, I'm a little sad, but I'm not going to cry about it. Uh, not like I oh, did. I'll be crying at the oh, airport. It's okay. I'll, I'll start crying too. I'm saying that right now for all of our go get them listeners. Right, guys? Uh, so, yeah, so I was thinking, what what is it that, that allowed you to go across the seas or across the, the pond to England for college. And I really put it down to you had enough confidence 
to um, override the the amount of fear that you probably had as well. Yeah. And I uh, and and I think that that confidence. I want to hone in on the word confidence mm. because I think that it really applies huge to learning agility. Wow, absolutely. And it's not the confidence of the handler. No, you guys need to teach your dogs this. I want you to. <laughs> I want you to teach your dogs confidence. I so I came up with the so there's the four D's in agility. Distance, duration, and distraction. Whenever we're training. Wait, four. Wait. Distance? Oh, sorry. I said. Did I say four? Oh. I, meant, I was waiting for another one. No, um, that's okay. I meant three. Okay. Three D's. We all you'll you talk to most trainers and they'll talk about the three D's. You always train within the three D's: distance, duration, distraction. Okay. Um, and either if one's really high, another is really low, um, until you can build it up to all three, which essentially is what a an agility trial is, right? Yeah. You're, you can be a distance from the obstacle. You can have duration of 30 seconds up to a full day of mm -hmm. handling agility. Um, and then the high amount of distraction that is in an agility trial. All right, so I was thinking about the 3Ds. I was thinking about my dad's patience, confidence, no fear, and a little money. And I wanted to hone in on the confidence part. So I came up with... This is brand new. Never been seen before. Breaking news. Hard-hitting journalism. <laughs> I came up with the three P's. Okay. Protect, preserve, and provide. And maybe it should be provide, protect, preserve. Yeah, in order um, of like... Confidence. Yes, okay. Okay, so, so provide confidence for your dog. Protect the confidence that they have. Is protect and preserve the same word? Well, I always figured like protecting is you are protecting something from a threat that's there. So like, you know, they have the, like the threat of the teeter. Right. Fear? Exactly. Okay. Exactly. And then like preserving is it's in a natural state and you're just continuing to keep it like that. Yes. Because um, they say that for the national parks, don't they protect and preserve or something? I don't know, but uh, maybe I, I think you're right. Okay, so anyway, they may be the same word. Well, <laughs> well I mean, so, I so is confidence and no fear, so, you know. Okay, yeah, they're so cousins. It's okay, yeah. They're cousins okay. of each other, right? And so, yeah, but I liked, I liked exactly what you just said, where um, protecting the confidence, preventing the, the fear. Right. Right? Um, and then preserving it, maintaining that confidence so that you don't, destroy yeah. it i just figured like preserving something it's in like a finished state right so you're yeah. preserving a car that's not going to rust anymore you're preserving your dog's confidence that's not going to deteriorate hopefully anymore. okay yeah awesome all right so and i think that that all builds resilience mm -hmm. right which is a huge component of oh. long-term agility oh absolutely is having the resilience to go through all different locations for agility, all different sorts of judges for agility, all sorts of different courses for agility. Um, so, awesome. Um, <laughs> Glad we got that out of the way. <laughs> I think we're done with this All part. right, see you guys later. Um, okay, so then I was thinking about how do we protect and build that confidence? I need a, okay, so build, yeah. So we need a P word for build. Uh. 
provide. Well, I guess that's provide. Yeah, Yeah, Yeah. that's my provide is is the building. Then I was thinking, I heard a podcast um, the other day. I can't remember. Oh, man, I'll have to think about where I heard this. But it was, they were talking about puppies, and they were talking about that a a puppy, you want them to go into life optimistic. Mm. Like they get out of the car and they're like, where are we today? Yeah. What are we doing today? And they're excited to travel with you and learn with you. And they're optimistic that whatever they encounter is not going to cause them fear. Right. It's not going to hit their confidence. Yes. And so I was thinking about agility and how this equates to agility and building up a dog's ability to build their confidence and build on top of the confidence they already have. Right. Without crushing it. Right. And it depends on the dog as well. Like It really depends on the I dog. I would say, um, like when I first met Eli... He was a little worried around me, right? Because I'm now living in a house where he has never, ever met me before, and we're now living together, right? So he was a little like, okay, you're an interesting person. And then on my very first time I ever trained him, we have these older jump stanchions that have little tiny gaps in the middle. And he went through it, and he couldn't get out of it. Um, He didn't go around to the jump stanchion. He went through it. And, of course, he blamed me for that, right? Which was better than him blaming the jump. I'd rather him blame me. But he didn't work with me then, right, for a good week. He was like, no, I don't really like you. You caused me to get my head stuck in a jump. Um, that wasn't very cool. Okay, Margaret and... Margaret was not terribly upset. <laughs> I knew. I felt bad. I started crying. <laughs> I um... knew that I would be able to repair him. But yes, he immediately said, done with you. Yeah, and so that is what happens when you don't preserve, protect. What are your three Ps? You have it written down over here. Um, Protect, preserve, preserve, and and provide. provide. And I did it on a dog that I didn't know anything about. And it depends on the dog. Because he was like, whoa, I'm not talking to you anymore. He loves me now. I'd like the record to show. We um, kiss each other every day now, and we go and do agility. It's so much fun. Well, and he, so that really does hone into what we're talking about is that you did not have enough provided mm-hmm. confidence, AKA you didn't have enough history with him. Right. Yes. Positive history. Yes. To overcome any damage that caused by him getting right. his. Right. And so it took us a good week to build that back where he's like, yeah, I'll work with you now. Yeah. And he's fine now. And but... you couldn't work around the jump stanchion. No, we had to do like tunnels and stuff. Yeah, yeah. and just uh, different. So you, I said we started doing leg weaves. That's right. We started doing stuff where it was just you and not necessarily agility equipment. Yeah. Um, but building up towards agility. And yeah, yesterday I came home. And found my daughter training my dog. Oh, it was so much fun. We have so, we have a good time, Eli and I. So all those complaints about me training Dottie are out the window. Wait a minute. That's been uh, two years in the making with Dot. I loved watching you running him. And I love that he didn't come flying over to me immediately and stop working with you. Right. So, yeah, you provided him over the last five weeks you've been home. So you provided him with enough confidence that you could then throw him harder and harder stuff, mm. right? So how do we protect or how do we preserve? No. <laughs> how do we provide? 
protect and preserve. I guess it should go in that order. This is a rough draft of my 3P idea. Right. So <laughs> it's provide, protect, preserve. Right? So how do you, once you've provided the confidence, so now you've built that confidence back up with Eli, how do you protect it and how do you preserve it? And in my opinion, if you find that your dog is struggling in an area, a couple of things. One, don't be so quick to judge and blame the dog. Mm, yeah, that's a huge, huge, huge point. It's so easy to, to judge and blame the dog. Mm. Don't judge and blame the judge. Yeah, yeah. Don't judge and blame necessarily your instructor, although that may be, uh, uh, yeah. yeah, they may not be helping you as much as you need to, but sometimes it takes instructors seeing a problem a few times before a solution comes. Right, you can't just expect your instructor to be like, "Oh yeah, do it this way," and and especially when it's emotionally based, that definitely takes on a deeper problem than just a a, a, a skill set, right? Mm -hmm. Like learning convergence right. is one thing. Like teaching a dog to jump towards you, like in a serpentine, that's a skill. But if you have emotions around a dog that's been stepped on five times a day, mm -hmm. yeah. they're not gonna want to come into their handler. Right. Right. Or if you have a physical problem, if your dog has a physical problem that's that's not showing itself aggressively, right. then they may not want to jump. Yeah, and it could be something as simple as I know it's springtime, so they have all these sticky leaf pods all over the ground. If you get one of those on your dog's foot, you know, they are not probably not going to limp from that, but they don't want to jump with it on their foot. Could be something as simple as that. Yeah, or it just pulls, uh, you know, a few amount of hairs right. together, yeah. and every time they stretch out, it's grabbing at their under armpit hairs or yeah. their stomach hairs, and it's just making it just that much more uncomfortable. Yeah. But they're not showing you, uh, uh, I don't know what the right word is. Discomforts? Well, no, no, no. Like they're not outwardly showing you that, they're not pinpointing it for mm. you. This is the problem. Right. They're, right. They're, they're just showing it in different ways. They're displacing yeah. their behavior rather than stopping, curling their, their mouth around and trying to chew it off themselves. Right. Um, and I know we say this about a lot of things on this podcast, but it is true. Um, it depends on your dog. So if I were to run Dot and she were to get a seed pod stuck in her foot, she would tell me immediately. She wouldn't even jump. She'd sit down, she'd try to chew it out, and we'd figure it out. I'd take the seed pod out, and we'd be all good. Um, yesterday, Mom, Eli, and I were playing uh, tug in the field. We were doing agility, and he really likes tug toys. And we looked down, and he's got blood all down his face, and he got a little bit onto my pants, and he lost a tooth. And he didn't care. He tried to get the tug toy again. He lo literally lost a tooth, and the kid just kept playing. So it depends on your dog, because if Dottie lost a tooth, I know that she'd tell me. And maybe he will tell me about the seed pods. 
Maybe. Right? Yeah, it depends. Because it really yeah. is dependent on on the body part and the dog and that sort of thing. But, yeah, so far, so we have these sticky seed pods. I, I think they're from the, anyway, they're from some tree around here. And they come down every spring, and they literally become glue pads. Yeah. And they glue the hair together. It's bad. And, yeah, he hasn't showed me at all that he cares about those so far. No. All right, so how else can we protect the confidence? One, if they're showing you a sequence that they should know, and they're showing you, I just can't do it, then how do we, how do we fix that? I would fix it in a couple of ways. Go ahead. One, we have to know that most likely, I can guarantee this almost always, your dog's probably not doing it because they're um, spiteful towards you. Dogs don't have emotions like that, and so if you if your dog's not doing something and you think, oh, he's just being a pain today, he's just being a brat, um, which is a really common term I've heard for dogs, um, that's probably not true. Your dog loves you, and they probably want to do agility just as bad as you do. So right. dogs aren't malicious like that. Yeah, I mean, if, if they understand the skill and they can physically do the skill, generally they'll do it if they're in connection with you yeah right now there's a whole focus thing that we're not going to go into you know losing focus blah 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 that's different but if you've got your dog running with you and they blow through the weave pulls they don't go up the a-frame contact they miss a jump that they probably that they you know they can take what's going on that we can do so it doesn't matter that they're doing it if you want to help them you have to break it down further you need to break it out of the course and do that small sequence and reward it and at the exact same time go back to bigger cueing you have your six big cues in agility motion location shoulders eye contact hand signals, and verbal cues. When they're struggling with a section of the course, and you know it, make those signals bigger. More eye contact, closer to the obstacle you're going to, a stronger line of motion that, uh, that puts them in line with the obstacles, um, and verbals kick in your verbals a little bit stronger, a little bit sooner to help them be correct. Mm. And then when they are correct, stop and reward them. Oh, absolutely. If they need that, right? Like some dogs going on is more rewardable. Yeah. For a lot of Border Collies, that is very much the case. But for most dogs, they need something. So pull out the toy, pull out a reward, throw a reward. You know, dogs love to chase rewards and let them know that that difficult sequence that they just struggled with for three or four rounds was correct. That will help to preserve, preserving or, or build, uh, yeah. uh, uh, provide more confidence for that section of the course. And as you grow more advanced, it's important that you continue to preserve and protect skills from the beginning. Um, so skills your, that you will build off of. Yeah, your foundation. Yes. Skills. Oh, that fun word again. 
Um, and so, yes, it's important, especially when you're going into higher levels, maybe Premier or Masters, or maybe you're getting ready for Nationals or something like that. And there's a, pheno there's a phenomenon that happens in dog training when you are adding in a new skill. So, and it's discriminations, essentially. It's discriminations on a host of things. And you see it very, very clearly when you're teaching, like, the difference between a wave and a sit pretty, right? Or a, a bang you're dead and a roll over, right? So they're very close in relation to each other. And when the dog has a strong history with one behavior, when you go to teach the new behavior, they'll fall back on the old behavior. And then when you want to go back to the old behavior, the, the established behavior, they'll throw you the new behavior. So essentially what happens is the dogs will revert back to the last thing that you most trained. So when you're working backsides really hard and you tell them to jump, they'll go to the backside. The last training that you did, they'll gravitate towards that. And so even though it may look like you cued the tunnel or you cued the jump appropriately, the dog's natural behavior is to gravitate back to what was reinforced most just moments or, or a week ago. Um, this has nothing to do with really preserving and protecting, but along those thought lines, in my opinion, is why dogs are what we call tunnel suckers. Uh, you see this a lot with really fast dogs. Um, when they don't know what to do or when they feel like their handler is not cued them properly, generally if there's a tunnel close by, these dogs will take it. Um, and that is not only because the tunnel is typically the most self-rewarding obstacle ever, right? It's a lot more fun than, like, say, the weave pulls, right? Uh, but it also is the first thing that we teach, generally, when we are training our puppies. Um, it is the only obstacle, really, that can be set up um, as they will see in competition when they're eight weeks old, right? A six-foot long tunnel with tunnel bags. Yeah, straight six-foot tunnel, even a two-foot tunnel. Yeah. Yeah, it's, and, and even breeders will bring in these uh, kid tunnels in, you know, when the dogs are, when the puppies are five and six weeks old. So yeah, the tunnel has a strong, strong, strong history. And so yeah, what does that have to do with patience and com uh, you confidence? You said come out in the wash, they'll offer an old behavior, a tunnel's an old behavior. Oh, yeah, and in fact, I would venture to say that they'll gravitate towards that well-known behavior if their confidence on another obstacle is not strong. Right. Right, and yeah. so they'll gravitate towards what does comfort them, what does make them feel good, um, for sure. Yeah. Point of this podcast is whatever training that you've done up to now, if the dog's enjoying it, the dog has the skills to jump, they have the skills to do every obstacle, but for whatever reason, they're not in any given training scenario. I think it's important for us to preserve the confidence regardless of how we feel as a handler, mm. regardless of why we think that they're not doing it. And rather than judging the dog and thinking that 
they're not doing it for a reason A, B, and C is change the narrative, protect what you do have, and rebuild what you did have. Mm, yeah. Rebuild that confidence, put it back together. So take the, the sequence apart, take that one skill apart, rebuild it, make it easier for the dog for a while, not just that training section, right? If I had a problem with with entries on weave pulls, I'd train it, get the confidence back up, get the skill set back up, and then I'd stay there. I wouldn't necessarily make it harder immediately the next time, especially if I started to have a history of problem weave pull entrances. I would focus on that for a few rounds of agility, maybe not all at once, right? I'd bounce, I'd bounce from weave pulls, then I'd go and work on tunnel entrances, then I'd go work on verbal jump stuff, and then go back to the weave pulls. So I wouldn't hammer it, I wouldn't uh, drill set my dog on weave pull entrances, but I wouldn't advance them very fast either. Protect. Provide. Oh, sorry, provide, protect, preserve. Yes. Say that five times fast. The three P's. Provide, protect, preserve confidence. Mm -hmm. In order for you to have confidence in your dog, your dog has to have confidence in you. It's true. They have to trust and have no fear that they're going to get in trouble for getting it wrong. They have to have patience with... What do the dogs have to have patience with? You and learning. I mean, dogs probably don't consciously have... think this, but they have to be resilient to trying things again and again and again. Repetitions. Well, yeah, and that that comes with confidence. And right? also the... patience, right? Yeah, and the more, more confidence, they learn more patience. Uh, building in, you don't get a cookie every time. Right. Here's my last, maybe... Here's my last thing about confidence. If, you're lack, if your dog's lacking confidence on the practice field, I can guarantee you they're gonna lack the confidence in the trial field. Right? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so uh, in honor of my father, four things you need for life patience confidence no fear and a little money nice and i say on the agility field field we take that confidence and we build it build it build it provide it protect it and preserve it yeah okay are we done excellent i think so all right thanks emma thanks mother happy flying back to england oh goodness patience confidence no fear and a little money there you go there it is all right i'll be thinking about that. happy training woof 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 <laughs>